I'm Brian Carp Carpenter, host of Fresh Air at Five, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Sorry, guys. Every Will is having an epiphany. <laughs> I just, I just realized how much I hate the world that's out there of all the data that they're collecting. Oh, I'll take my tinfoil hat off for the rest of this episode, maybe. It's like, it's like a just a fortress, but like with the window that you've left open. Sometimes, <laughs> like, that's how I feel. <laughs> and somebody like reading the end of the book and going, "Oh, this is what's happening." Like, and this is without actually Frodo figuring out the whole the ring story. ring in the volcano. Like, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's fine. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the High Tech Podcast. What? Bip, 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 bip. I think we call this the High Tech Podcast. Isn't I, that the case? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, listen, we've been doing how many episodes now? Sixty-one, and that's the first time any of us have messed up our name in the beginning of the episode. I take that as, as solid success. work. You know what that's, I mean? That's the wonderful voice of Joshua Swartz, co-host, <laughs> and myself, William Illingworth. We are back for the High Tech Podcast. What high a tech. change! What an idea! Always a couple of laughs to be had. Uh, we're um, we're 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 trying something else. I'm on the road, so we'll yeah. see how the audio does this week. It should big be old, fine. Big old traveler. We finally gave in. We couldn't schedule our recordings around Will's schedule anymore. We just had to start <laughs> doing it on his schedule. <laughs> like, ah, eh, let's just let's just keep trying because you know my best setup is at home at my desk. Josh knows I've already complained about missing it three or four times tonight. Yeah. I will probably complain that is like more fifth. times yet. That's the <laughs> but hey, positive. This is the first episode that my audio will be better than yours. Hey. I don't think that's ever happened in high tech <laughs> podcast history. Maybe episode two. Yeah, although I'll probably find a way to screw it up somehow. Like your mic will still be better. It's I fine. I, I, I already <laughs> I already hit my mic on this end, so it's just a regular old podcast yeah, episode. Exactly. Well, even though some things are a little bit different for us, everything is the same for you. Make sure to head over to Twitter, find us at High Tech Podcast, like us, retweet reply to us in that context share us with your friends and colleagues we appreciate that make sure as always if you have any ideas you want to connect on some scheduling if you want to be on the podcast interviews a guest series anything like that we welcome all contacts at inbox at hightechpod.us or dot yep. us uh no, i mean whether dot us whether or not you <laughs> are sending to the email or to twitter we do want you as always to send us now an image and frankly folks they just get better and better i know we've had some solid ones we're getting good good submissions yeah like a lizard wizard or whatever was a was an option uh, it was a wizard dragon a lizard wizard wizard yeah i don't know it was was a it was a tongue twister whatever it was that's for sure i love this yeah what do you got for us josh what do we got this week what do we got this week okay so I've been I've been thinking about this one, guys. Okay, I've been thinking hard. Okay, and here here's the option. Okay, <laughs> AKA he's thinking right now. <laughs> no, no, I got it. I've been prepping. I'm just building this up. Okay, <laughs> I want a wolf dressed like a grandmother. Okay, that's what I want. We're going like Red Riding Hood style. Okay, this episode. Okay, it's that fine. one. Sh- <laughs> it's a little weird, but I feel like it's easier to find. Than like snake and top hat or whatever else, whatever else yes, I've done that's recently. Fair, that's fair. It's actually out there. Yeah, it's like well, that's the thing you should be able to find. The wonderful thing is that when people can't find these things, they're making them. You know, oh, hand yeah. drawings and and Canva and Photoshop. Like it's yeah. been pretty funny. It's been a thing. We got some creativity. It's been pretty solid. I will also say, on top of pictures coming in, I've now officially gotten a book on tanks from someone. <laughs> One of my coworkers bought me. Uh, actually, she's going to be on soon uh, at some point, uh, or has been. Now, um, see, I'm confused. She has been on already. We're in the future, Josh. We're in the future. Um, Robin Robin Jeffers got me a tank book at work today, and I thought it was hilarious. If um, only she'd gotten that for you before the Ed App episode, you could have actually hey, made some real tank. My tank fun. course was solid. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted where we were at. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> so once you've given us the uh, the image of the week, make sure to head on over to hightechpod.us or .us. 
nope, to uh, find our, our episode pages, everything, our resources. There's always something there about pricing. If there's something concerned about uh, accessibility with an app we're talking about, we, we will always try and make sure there's some really good resources there for you. You can share with folks um, and, and make this podcast useful. That's the goal. We have fun, mm-hmm. but we want to as well impact your process. Oh, we're supposed to be useful? Ah, uh, dang it. Did I forget to tell uh, you that? That's been the plan? Oh, I, gosh. I wow. That, didn't <laughs> Last 60 episodes have been not. <laughs> no, just so from this episode <laughs> forwards, we will be useful. I declare usefulness. <laughs> All right. This week, we are excited to get back to a little two part series. Josh and I did a lot of that in season one. Maybe maybe yeah. we've done that once here in season two. I don't think so. Oh, but, we haven't um, done it much because we've like evolved to series. Yeah, exactly. We, like, thought we were too cool well, for well, part two. And we did some part twos because episodes just ran long before. Yes. So now, now we're actually yeah. planning things. Now we planned it. Yeah. It's mainly when we find a discussion, we we actually genuinely are like, you know what? I really want to talk about this one. I feel like I could be <laughs> long winded. You know? <laughs> Unlike those other podcast episodes <laughs> that we just don't care about, you know? Oh, that's perfect. Well, uh, this week we're, we're starting out with like the LMS as surveillance i don't know yeah. a better title than that we haven't really workshopped that a lot but big brother lms you yes know? Um, and let's just set the stage sauron I, I... lms sorry I'm, I'm coming up with other names frankly that sounds like a that sounds like the onion that should be like an onion yeah. you know version of the lms I like it does everything backwards a, yeah i might try to find a nice lord of the rings picture for this episode page there you go there you go <laughs> uh josh and i are uh josh is currently a system administrator i oh yeah i am a system administrator currently yeah, as look well at you. lms i forgot about that <laughs> i hadn't been for some time i, I originally was that that's what uh, got me started in my career and so we know better than most what kind of data an lms tracks and and, and is it's a lot i mean there really oh, yeah. is and not to, not you know some of you might be kind of going to the oh yeah sure i get it like ip addresses when this when the students sign in no 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 like imagine this and i and it's been relevant in my career unfortunately messages in the platform oh, are yeah. data you know grades and grade feedback that is data you know there's so many things in an lms i mean the whole thing is built around capturing oh, yeah. data and, and organizing I have, it. I have a way to look up like a, literally a history of a grade in on an activity like every grade change comment that was made the time frame yep. it was made in how long uh the between posts like stuff like that all that information and that's accessible. just that's usually just stuff that's actually in the you know the lms's um native reporting features but you can go further if you start using apis and pull the data out yourself and aggregate it into to you know databases and stuff like that it's it's too much it's outstanding you know like at one level, it's a good thing that the students have signed up for the courses and, and it's um, within the context of academics. But like if somebody asked me to use an LMS for like my own personal life or like to do my work, like I don't I'm not really I'm not really comfortable with how much stuff it it, it captures. You know, imagine if there was an LMS for life, like it'd be like, yeah. Oh, wait, it's called well, Facebook. I was going to say, hold on now, buddy. <laughs> it's like there, there is an LMS for life. It's called Facebook and Google. I don't I know. Literally. I literally stopped myself because the next thing I was going to say is like, you know, a Facebook for life. You know, what what, what if it knows everything I ate today and whether or not I went Look, to the restroom? And I'm yeah. like, that's Facebook. That's yeah, Instagram. We, will, we willingly give that data away. Um, I believe there's apps that track that you take pictures of what you drink on a regular <laughs> basis. Like, I could probably track your drinking history. <laughs> it, it, like, there is a thing. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Every, will is having an epiphany. <laughs> i hate it i just i just realized how much i hate the world that's out there of all the data that they're collecting oh anyways yeah. i'll take my tinfoil hat off for the rest of this episode yeah maybe. exactly i think the point we're talking about is that the lms tracks a lot of stuff and uh, i don't think people are always aware of that um like yeah. the level of what it tracks like everything from grades to activity in the course submissions interactions that a professor and a student have had um yep. all, all of these types of things uh the lms looks at and i think the reason will you and i wanted to talk about this at least i think i don't know maybe we're just like yeah, yeah surveillance um like <laughs> tinfoil <laughs> hat is that it's i think it's a hot it's a hot button topic right now because a lot of institutions and this isn't anything new this has been happening for 
a while now, institutions have been moving to like this data driven system um, where they pull in data and they use it to, you know, better retention. They use it to uh, do a whole host of things. Um, it's become, we've seen it in a lot of places. I'm an institution who's doing pieces of this now. Uh, they're trying to track data. And I, I will say this up front um, to what Will and I will talk about. Uh, this is not a topic where I think Will and I have a hard set, like we're for it or against it situation. I think we yeah. see positives yeah. and negatives. I think it's one of those things where um, it's not as beautiful as everybody wants it to be, um, but it's also not the worst. Like it's it, we have data uh, in a way in education that we never have before because of the online interactions and things like that. Um, I think we just, you know, have to be careful, which we'll talk about a little bit more about what that, that looks like. But I think that's kind of like, how I could sum up my opinion on it. No, I like your point there, though, about being careful. Like, I, this isn't like a this isn't a, an attack on the LMS. This is an awareness thing for others. Right. Uh, I, I do want teachers and faculty to be aware and students to be aware that the data they put in there, they are both responsible for and liable to. You know, I have had the request come from hr to dig up and deliver messages between a faculty member and a student i mean it, it's happened and and there was a concern and there was an actual issue and and it had to be addressed i mean oh, but yeah. that data is available because the lms was used for it so in one sense you know we just hope that everybody stays above board that there's no issues of course but on the other sense like the things we want to talk about today and and with the next episode here are really just to help you be aware of the the good, the bad, and the ugly of the LMS because it, it can be used, and it could be used very um, negatively or you know Big Brother they're watching you but but there are positives to the way we can use this data to improve our pedagogy to improve our content to change the layout of our courses and and see how that like there is actually a lot of space for science here like 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 testing you know all right so unit two is having a hard time with this thing and this thing and unit two regularly falls right before uh you know labor day holiday maybe i need to change what unit two consists of and move some of the content into the third week so that the labor day holiday doesn't get in the way of learning right like that's that's a data-driven decision and is a testing or a sciencey mm -hmm. kind of approach to your curriculum that the lms makes really easy to to see yeah uh these are just some some spitballing ideas of the good and the bad we've got a few things we want to really dig into today um but i think I think that sets the stage, right? We're yeah. not like, we're not tinfoil hatters. I might be in my personal life, but not for the podcast <laughs> sake. Um, You're like a tinfoil hatter who like likes technology though. That's the thing that's confusing about you sometimes. You're like, I yep. don't like being data tracked, but then also I've got a Google home. Um, <laughs> yeah. <like> <laughs> yeah. but, but Google turn on half of my house and, and start my wash for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, a, uh, just a fortress, but like with a window that you've left open sometimes. Like that, <laughs> that's how I feel. <laughs> a first floor window. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had some friends over at my house the other night. They they know how my my Google Home works, and he goes, "Google, turn on the dining room," and it like it like slaps it like chat like slaps back at him. It said something like sassy almost. I don't even remember, and it didn't turn the light on it turned the air conditioning down and i was like no 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 this is wrong like he said the correct command word the correct wake the correct thing and it did the exact opposite and turned the ac down like uh it's just... anyways <laughs> but yeah so to our back to the topic right so i would say as we jump into this uh that Will and I are talking, probably going to focus less on, like, the stuff like you mentioned, Will, like, pulling messages, stuff like that. Because, like, of course, okay, it shouldn't come as a surprise to people. When you message someone online, it's not like a letter in your mailbox. It doesn't go away. Although that yep. doesn't go away either, unless you rip it up, burn it, and then get rid of the ashes. Um, <laughs> right. the, the, the message is there. So, anyway. Um, I think let's let's start with a positive, right? So, I think, Will, you and I laid out some positives. One of the yeah. ones that I think is a good focus here, um, the faculty I think sometimes don't necessarily at least think about um, is that, and, and one of the reasons I think at the core of the goodness of uh, administrators is what drives them to do stuff like this, to get this data. Because with data, I have seen like, especially from a student support advisor 
um, success coach, whatever your institution calls them, like the, the people who help your students, who guide them along their way that aren't just their professors, um, they can get uh, data on how your student's doing before it's too late uh, in your course, right? So like, right. think about it this way. If, a, if an LMS can grab the grades, the amount of time someone's clicking into a course, is active in a course, the, the dates that they submitted things, you can get information and create dashboards. And we have a tool that does this automatically for us. We're creating some of our own custom ones that will essentially track that information. And so you can tell if a student's grade has been falling over time. And you can tell if a student has been not active in the LMS, uh, specifically a course uh, over time. And so that can flag earlier for support people when students might be disappearing. Um, or might be falling off the radar um, and they can appropriately um, kind of put some measures in and connect and support that student and try to figure out ways and maybe catch maybe an issue uh, before it happens. Uh, I think a good example is I've seen this happen where they're tracking that information. The student had some kind of family situation that nobody knew about and they kind of went silent for a little while and the institution found out about it because an academic support person reached out to them when they saw that they were kind of falling behind and uh, was able to get a plan in place to get that student to finish the course, right? So, like, that's, like, the ideal cool. world that that works right. out. Without right. that data before, you, like, you relied on an instructor. And sure, at a face-to-face -face class, it's easy to tell when somebody's not showing up to class. Um, <laughs> but, in an, but in an online course, sometimes it can be difficult to, like, always be aware of how active students are. Like, sure, you see when they're not submitting, but, like, if they miss you know, two weeks of submitting, that's, you know, an issue, but it might also be tougher to notice. Like you may not see a pattern showing up over time. Well, uh, like and a lot with of times data. with, I know your institution, if it's a shorter, um, if it's a shorter online course or eight weeks or something like those patterns aren't established until week four or five and it's too late, you know, like yeah. th there's things there where your data sets need to be tracking the students. They, there needs to be more, points to track the student on earlier to see that pattern set up in weeks one and two you know what i mean like yeah. if, if if there's only one thing to do each week then you're not going to know until week five that they're not there or yeah. week four week you know but like if there's a couple of things to do in weeks one and two and we're getting into week two and they've done none of them yet you know five or six different activities or engagements or even opening the page that's data that communicates all right we're in week two there's an issue the student yeah. might need attention in a in a 16 week course in a traditional face to face course like you said if the students walk into the room awesome maybe though and this this is definitely where the LMS can help you know these days when we take a lot of assignments digitally and things like that that student could come to every single class but not be submitting anything and so the faculty member might just be like, eh, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. Maybe they're maybe they're having a tough time with something. Maybe, like they're not necessarily ready to engage immediately. But these kinds of systems that you're speaking to would flag that even though the students coming to class, if they're not doing the online stuff, it should raise that to, a, you know, to a, yeah. an advisor, a success coach, whatever, who can step in and say, hey, is there a family environment? Is there something that's going on? You know, why aren't you able to perform and participate in the, in the course experiences? Yeah. Well, and the key is, is that like these types of data tracking that does this can do it then across multiple courses. So like a student support yeah. person can see like, okay, you may know the student's not doing great in your course has like, you know, dropped off a little bit the last week or so. Um, and, but be like, yeah, you know, that might not be that big of a deal. They'll, you know, they'll get caught up. I'll reach out to them at the end of the week. But the support person might notice that's happening across every single one of their courses. Right. That's a different problem. Like in that one course, that may not be a problem. But if they get a week behind, even in every single one of their courses, that's like being behind several weeks in one right. course. Like, so it's and, going well. And so another problems. thing that really that really comes up to me there and like this, this seems like maybe the exception student, like a, a family members died. They're sick and not able to communicate it. But they're dealing with anxiety, right? Like those are definitely important things. But something I remember my peers doing in college was like doing okay in most of their courses, but not participating in one of them at all. You know, like, yeah. I think that that might be a pretty common experience here where it's like, oh, yeah, I like my major courses, so I participate, but I'm not going to go to my math class. It's stupid. Like, this is the thing that helps us track those issues regardless of course, regardless of the type of experience, why the students are in or whatever. It's just like, hey, is the student not there? Okay, then 
send a flag, like you said, easy. I think it's I think it's a great you know functionality, and and I think in your context, it's it's sending alerts. It's not just like somebody can go in and check and see a status. They can do that, but like yeah, it sends an alert if somebody meets a certain there's criteria. A, there's a system for that um, that they have not figured out how they want to use. So uh, <laughs> you know. Um, that's a whole nother story. Uh, but, it, so, but it can do that, right? There like are it a lot of tools out there like that. There's like people have created data warehouses where they create dashboards that will, you know, flag students for them or send alerts. There's a whole bunch of different ways that that can happen. And that's how a lot of institutions yeah. end up using this, right? Is they end up using that type of uh, situation. Um, On the yeah, flip I, side, without this though, Josh, sorry. Um, I, you know, I know of an institution that I, I've, I've not worked for, but I had a colleague's wife who worked there. And so she would tell me all about what their, like it was, I think it was success coach, um, student success coach, what they were supposed to do. They had to, they had to call every student in their uh, portfolio at least once a week. And they would have two and three contacts with them regularly so one phone call a week but there might be an email there might be just be like a, an instant message or something they had to register this amount of contact with these students to help make sure that they were staying on their learning path and i'm like imagine how many student success coaches they had to hire imagine oh, yeah. the hours of contact time that is and i don't think it's a bad thing right but that's expensive i mean it, oh, it's really yeah. just not sustainable no, no it's not a sustainable model at all and that's why a lot of people in this area are like moving to systems stuff, like this like systems like this so they can track it now because if a student's doing fine we you know in another sense we don't need to follow up with them if they're doing fine let them be fine yeah absolutely now this may be Listen, I'm going to show the type of person I am um, for just a hot second. I'm going to diverge just for one second of my hot take moment. Um, like, I'm sorry, but what the crap, man? Like, I was in college and nobody freaking called me every week. Like, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just like heartless, but I'm like. I showed up to my classes. I'm like, I mean, come on. Some of these people are adults. Um, like. Especially um, when I was the context I was referencing. Yeah, it was an yes. it was like a primarily adult continuing education yeah. online platform. Yeah, don't take that my hot take, folks. Don't take that I don't support student support situations. I absolutely do think we should have more student support. Um, I don't think we had enough in the college days when nobody was but calling every week. Um, I might I might push back against that idea. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, yeah. So it's it's a data. It, they're using this data to uh, get a better sense of where students are at and catch things earlier. And I think there is uh, merit and value in that, um, right? Yep. Because like in the old system, before we didn't have this type of data, a lot of times you didn't know a student was doing bad till a midterm grade or till their final grade. Like a student, I remember way early in college, uh, back when I was still in a band and didn't care, but I was told I had to take a course. Um, <laughs> and uh, I like never signed into this course. It was like, it was a, a online uh, English course. I'm sure this surprises you. Um, and uh, and I never signed into this course once. Never. I got a zero at the end of the semester. Not one person ever checked in. Wow. Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like an instructor didn't. Now, was I mad at the institution? Not really. I didn't log in. It was like, I don't, I don't, I'm just <laughs> yeah, wasting right. money. Yeah. I don't know what, what you want from me. Um, but to that point, that there used to be no way to check that stuff earlier. Like right. back then when we were first starting was kind of the early days of like the LMS was a thing, but it, it wasn't quite as prevalent as it is today in colleges. Like colleges would kind of use it, but like they didn't care as much. Like online looked different well, a decade ago. And there ago. might just be like just the assignment, like just submit your paper here, just yeah. take a quiz. Like that was, it was pretty rudimentary in that Yeah, way. it was very, it was very different. So uh, anyway, I think, this this kind of when you have your administrators going we're collecting data all this stuff it's not just because they want to track you it's i think because they do care there's there is a there's a value statement of wanting to care for students and using this data as a way to see student problems before they get too big of a deal um track and help and help students now well, sorry, were you gonna say one other thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take us. I'll take us on a, another another rabbit trail for okay. just a second. One thing that I think is interesting about this conversation, and and I do want to be sensitive to the fact that like we share the podcast in a lot of K twelve centers as a. Uh, uh, like Twitter and Twitter friends and colleagues and stuff like that. We are generally, our audience is intended to be higher education because that's what we come out of and what we work in. Yeah. But 
um, K-12 has actually probably been doing this and doing this better than us for a long time. Like, like data and data tracking, because public schools are so based on, you know, government funding, government policies, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of things already, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking it's better than it actually is, but this is new to higher education. In my opinion, it yeah. really is new where higher education is taking note of the data that's available to them in these systems and trying to use it. Uh, I know of platforms, pl- platforms on platforms on platforms in K-12 that weren't LMSs that, that maybe tied into the student information system or uh, had to be used in their own thing that were built to track this kind of stuff and have been used for two or three decades, right? But like, this is something that is in the LMS, and so that just adds to the data available in K-12, and we're just figuring out how to make this useful in higher education. And, and now, I think at, the, at this nexus moment for us, we just need to be responsible while doing it. That's, I think, a good transition to the fact of our negative comes back to some of the things we can do. That this, this next idea for us is like we can, we can really mess things up if we start acting too quickly with this data, if we're not um, thinking it through carefully, if we're not, uh, you know, if, if, we, if we have administrators who get involved in the decision making and maybe not <laughs> folks who are pedagogically focused on the content, right? It's very easy to look at data and say, wow, 10 out of 10 students fail this exam, delete it, remove it, completely yeah. change it. And, and, that may be a valid response. I'm not saying it's never good or never not right to remove or delete learning content that's not effective, but there's a lot more in a course than just an exam. Something oh, yeah. else is involved in leading up to the point where those students are not performing in that context. So, yeah. you know, I think our, is, am I right here? Like, I think that this is a big one to say, don't act too quickly with the data you do have. Don't just oh, yeah. say. Absolutely. I think I would, I think I would put it this way, right? That like, people sometimes think the data is the answer um, when actually it's just like, it's a symptom of something. And we're not, we're not entirely sure what the symptom is yet all the time. Like, and uh, like, so, and this is the part of the, part of the, the, the episode where uh, I probably enjoy a little bit more because as much as I think data is helpful, um, I also like, (laughs) I like to rip the little perfect conception. Sometimes uh, we have behind how data works um and uh data driven decisions um because at the end of the day like this data you're looking at like whether it's a assignment that's creating an issue or we've noticed all the students are having problems in this section of the course or for some reason we're having students really either dropping out of this course or struggling in this one course um i've noticed too quickly the people just start jumping to conclusions of why this is happening Right. Like um, and they start just assuming and making assessments based on the data. But all the data is telling you is what's happening. It's telling you the result. It's like the end of the book without the actual (laughs) book and somebody like reading the end of the book and going, oh, this is what's happening. Like and this is without actually Frodo figuring out puts the whole the ring story. in the volcano. Like, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Well, they must have put the ring in the volcano because they're jerks. Like, did they he take the, the eagles there, or did he go the yeah, long way? Exactly. Like, like you know. So, like, we're, we're laughing about this, but it is true. Like, at the end of the day, we have to be careful to understand that whatever data we're pulling up is just like it's an outside view of what's going on. I and these are human beings. This is the thing that yeah. I think we need to remind ourselves of. The LMS can give us this false sense of people as data points. And uh, we can make decisions off of those data points without remembering that we're dealing with humans. And like, let's say five students struggled on this activity. Okay. Could it all be the same reason? Absolutely. I'm not saying it couldn't be. Could it all be different reasons? I've handled support tickets for one activity with six different problems. Um, like there's, it's not always just like one issue, um, or a certain humans are complicated. Um, and so because of that, I think the danger is we can come to quick too quickly to conclusions and be, uh, too rash to make decisions, academic decisions, um, just based off of some data that we have. I've been in conversations where administrators without the faculty member involved, were willing to remove a course from the portfolio, from the program, because of the student's success rate, 
like, oh, well, you know, this, this, we're having too many people fail this. So like, let's just pull this course. Let's get a new version in there. I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, wait a second. Like how many, how many data points are you basing that off of? Has this course run 50 times and 49 times it's been an issue? Is it just the last two or three times? And you really feel like you lost students that were actually good at things. And, you know, like, or were these actually students who were failing in all of their courses? And this just happened to be one of the courses that we're seeing more failures in, but all the students that were in it happened to also be generally bad students at completing their work. Like, you know, all of those things are questions to ask even before we get down to the actual curriculum level. And it's like, is there sufficient instructional material? Is there helpful and, and unbiased and um, validated quizzes and, and exams? Are there opportunities for the students to engage each other like that's the the pedagogical why the pedagogical question we need to answer before we toss the course the course out and yet like your point stands like where i <laughs> i was in these conversations where it's like uh too many failures like let's just scrap this course oh yeah no <laughs> like, no and, these, and that's the thing like I, I, my caution is and maybe it's just my pessimism or my you know annoyance um but whatever that may be, uh, like I see, I think the danger sometimes in why faculty react the way they do to data is this data driven stuff is that you often have administrators and people with different goals than the faculty. Um, and sometimes, and while, listen, I think we should absolutely uh, check and balance each other and faculty sometimes can get too focused on just the content and not actually the student experience. We, if you're listening to this and you're like, high tech podcast doesn't care about the students please go listen to the other 60 episodes we've played so far <laughs> that's not true um but my point is is that sometimes the focus can be well we need to keep as many students as possible and right. then we use the data to find where we're losing students and then we use that data to justify just cutting things or making or plug, the course plugging the hole like oh if yeah. you just get this in there then it's going to fix everything yeah making the course easier i've seen advisors who are not academics like just suggest cutting content on a course that they know very little about the actual the content of the course <laughs> because right. that activity was being too hard for students right. and while i'm not saying that the data is not right that an activity could be hard we just have to be careful not to draw conclusions about the why we're seeing the data we're seeing yeah. Right. Because it's just data at this point, like students Ugh. having those problems. It's just data, the data warehouse, the dashboard. It's not telling you the why. And I think our tendency as human beings sometimes is to find relationships between data. Right. Um, uh, sometimes. And we're sometimes wrong. And by what sometimes, all, I mean, a lot of the times we're wrong. What we all need to remember <laughs> from psych 101 is uh correlation does not prove causation right like yeah. we forget this in so many things but i i remember literally it being written on my psych 101 board almost every single class correlation does not prove causation and and one of the things here that i think we we can see josh and i frame this episode in a positive negative like a good thing we want to get out of this maybe something that we don't like about this but i think that there's um even two sides to this negative we've been saying a lot about like uh, examples we've experienced where the reaction is to cut things yeah. pull content out pull, pull a course whatever but the 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 um the opposite's true where folks try and put stuff in it's like oh this isn't working so let's just stuff it full of something i was a part of a project and i I kind of stood behind it in some ways and I might still today, but like we had consistent issues across the online program where students were finding themselves not prepared with, with digital literacy issues, couldn't open up Microsoft word, couldn't figure out how to send uh, emails from the email system. Like that never happens. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> you, you're still having those issues. Um, <laughs> and so our, our reaction was, well, let's put um, a, a unit zero a module zero in every course. Like that was the reaction. Like we're seeing <laughs> oh, all these that. issues, right? And it's like, let's just slap this bugger in every single course and that'll fix the problem. Because at some level you just assume, well, I don't know where a student's going to onboard. So I can't just put it in course one. We can't just put that kind of introductory material in course one. And it's not necessarily required material. It's optional. So it's not a big issue if it's in the way of every course. So let's put it in all the courses. But did it ever really think about the fact that the students before 
coming into the platform or even even while they are students, we're just not technologically savvy. We're not prepared for what they had to do oh, yeah. in the academic experience. And just stuffing this module zero in every course was not going to fix the problem. The data was showing they could not perform X activities. Our reaction was put this module in every course. Still, it's the same issue as, oh, they're, they're failing this course, pull the, the hard content out. No, no, no. Neither is a solution. Neither is considering what's going on with the actual student and why they're uh, having issues. Yeah. We can put things in, we can take things out. But if we just if we're doing that because we think it's going to respond to the data, we need we need more analysis. And, and honestly, that's a thing that I see a pretty good amount of positions anymore in corporate for analysts, business analysts, accounting analysts. Um, people analysts, like data analysts who are involved in the data around these things, I think we still need maybe more of those analysts in higher education. People who are not only getting the data, but processing the data and taking time to sit with it and understand it and try and create correlation or, or identify correlations and then um, assess what they might suggest. Meanwhile, instead, we have people who don't know data. The last time they took a research course and, and looked at anything about like a, you know, an average mean, mean, moan kind of thing was in high school, maybe their, their freshman year of college, um, maybe their master's degree course. And they, and they just were not doing any actual sort of research, research analytics. If we yeah. could bring some of that involved in all this, the data, the decisions we start to make with the data can be more effective. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, I think, yeah, I think in my ideal world, it's a combination of that and just bring the human element back in, like talking to the people who actually, when we're talking about specifically here, when it comes to LMS data and all that stuff, like talking to the people who actually make the stuff, uh, allowing, <laughs> allowing the academic department no. to speak into the content, like having it be a collaborative relationship between this and, and for goodness sakes, actually talking to the people that have these problems. Like I think too often we have people like looking at the data and they're like decisions, evaluation, like, well, yeah, but did you like talk to four of the students? Like, did you actually like find out? And students aren't always adept at explaining exactly what their problem was. Like they, they will explain things sometimes. And I'll be like, well, that's not actually the problem. That's what you think the problem is. Um, right. But uh, at the same time, I just think like we are moving to a world where, and again, this is my, I'm not anti-technology. I like technology. I run this, I help run this podcast. I, I do think we're moving to a world where we just are so confident in the data and information that we're tracking um, yeah. Yeah. that we, uh, <laughs> we need to trust it. We need to trust it less. And I'm going to get a little religious on us for a second. Uh, we need to stop viewing ourselves as omniscient because we have data. Um, yeah. We, uh, I think too often like to think we have all the answers now because we have data driven decisions that wonderful, uh you know hot word anyway that was good that was good negative we got a little deep there for a hot second um, with all this data though i think we just need something like a meter that can measure it you know yes we like really at the end that's what we need something that you know? can put it in line measure it up give us give us give us a good sense of it and that could be one more data-driven tool <laughs> <laughs> called Mentimeter. This week, uh, we're back with another engagement tool. I love these things. I mean, I've, I've, I've always been thinking that they can Wait, help you us. you like engagement tools? No. No, did I just... Was, did I, was that spoiler alert? Did I reveal the ending? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I thought you hated them. <laughs> Is this like the fourth or fifth one we've done on the podcast? I don't know. I don't I, know. It's tough to track sometimes. <laughs> uh, yes, you've heard our episode on Nearpod. I, you pull everywhere. I love... We, we just think that tools like this that help the students actually engage with you are fantastic. Now, why would we give up another one? We've given up other good ones. Because they all have pros and cons. I, I, I uh, consistently in my master's degree studies was was challenged to consider but design decisions uh, educational technology uh, platforms you know from an affordances and and um, disadvantages lens like what can it give us what could it hold back from us and so uh, mentimeter i think one of the first things i want to emphasize with this from an affordances standpoint as an engagement platform is that their free versions actually free yeah now, it's 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 always limited 
right? Uh, Nearpods free versions free too, but uh, you know this one I, I really like that you can create presentations in it. There's like its own little slide developer and stuff like that. You can put in multiple choice questions, open ended. It's got a lot of the t typical uh, response types, um, but you can you can make as many presentations in here as you want. Their number one free limitation is that it can't, it, you just can't have too many questions themselves, right? You have to limit uh, to two question slides or two quiz slides in, in a presentation. That's not bad, actually. You know, like if you're actually trying to keep to a, a 60 minute class or, you know, technically a 50 minute class, or if you're just trying to do some micro learning, hey, see, see what I did there? See what I did there? If you're trying to do some micro learning in an online course, like you could build a, just a bunch of Mentimeters that go into your lessons um, in your online platform. You know, it doesn't even have to be for your live presentation. Now, it is designed that students log in, you give them a code, they join the session, they get the questions, they respond to it. So it works like Nearpod, it works like Pull Everywhere. It's something you can do uh, while you're in a live course. Uh, we just used this at a, at a company conference. It was actually really great. We got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people using it in live time. It's so cool to see that data um, when you're dealing with that big of a sample <laughs> size. But, uh, you know, dig in dig into this. It's free. It's available. They, they actually have a couple of statements on their, their website about why they're free and why they want the, they're going to keep their free platform. They say, you know, there's never going to be, um, I've, I've learned of, in fact, Josh and I have used an LMS that like used to have a free version and literally doesn't have a free version anymore. You have to pay yeah. regardless. So this is one of those things that I really like to see them coming out with that. They also uh, have education prices that uh, are 30% off of the other prices, their, their listed prices. So you can find that information. We'll make sure it's linked on our website, hightechpod.us. But um, see that? Nice like work. that? Nice little plug. But uh, once you get into it, right? Once you get into it, I, I do like their layout itself. Josh and I were playing around with this. It's a really responsive platform. I, you know, it's, it's a small and simple thing. But like as I hover over a multiple choice question or word cloud or open-ended in the background of the page is actually displaying a live example of what that would look like. Yeah. That's, that's not nothing folks. Like it's responsive. It's clean. There's clean lines. It's using, I think what I, I would call modern user interface. It's, it's really good that way. It's black and white. So it's pretty, it's pretty sanitary, but that's okay. I actually like that sometimes. Nothing yeah, against I like that. The simplicity thing. Mainly because it keeps us from doing ridiculous slides with uh, way too many images uh, in purple tech. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. No, there's yeah, not that. You know, that never um, but so from from a from a content side, a slide side, right? It has things in here that you can build all your own slides. It can take headings, paragraphs, bullets, images, videos, big text quotes, numbers, and instruction, right? Like there's literally an instruction slide. You plop it in there. It's got a, a QR code. It's got the code for the thing, making it like they built in a slide for you to present for your students to join the session. You don't have to make that slide yourself. You know, you just auto generate it per, per session you're creating. Pretty cool. In the advanced, uh, in, in, in the question types, right? Word clouds, open-ended ranking, really uh, typical things there. Uh, selecting an answer or typing an answer for a quiz question. And then some advanced question types, like a quick form, right? So you can do, you know, instead, instead of graded questions and stuff like that, the option for some surveys. Um, there's some competition things in there. I think a lot of these engagement platforms are really trying to get into that, which is, can be cool, can be not uh you know yeah. one of the things this one probably... doesn't have kahoot music you know oh my gosh kahoot <laughs> anyways hashtag not a sponsor um in nearpod though their climb time to climb feature is much like the uh the who will win feature here in mentimeter but the time to climb is literally like icons of children it is a very uh, elementary visual aesthetic right so this one here the who will win inside of a um Mentimeter is a contestant, is a contest structure, but it's just black and white. It's, you know, you build your questions, you have people participate, you see some bar graphs of whether or not they're winning. Like, it's it's very straightforward. In some ways, it doesn't have any pizzazz that way. But I, I you know, Josh and I have talked about cognitive load in the past. I don't think we need it to be all too pretty to be effective. Yeah. I think it can just get the job done, which I like. Here's your biggest limitation on the free side. Okay, I do want to address this right off the bat. You cannot import a slideshow with the free version. Yeah. 
that that I think would turn a few folks off. Uh, you know, everybody already has their PowerPoints made. I know that you just yeah. want to import your PowerPoints and insert a couple questions. So in that case, you will have to pay up. I think that Mentimeter, though, is for somebody who's starting some fresh content, maybe a new course design. Mm -hmm. I think that is definitely useful for just like some in-class participation or get creative. Do you have a survey, a seminar, a, um, you know, like a student forum coming up, a student exhibition? Use this kind of tool in something that's, you know, maybe related to your, your, your work in academia, but isn't necessarily educationally focused. There's, there's definitely ways that this tool uh, can meet the need without having to be in your classroom. Yeah. Well, I think you and I talked about this when we were talking about Metameter. I think if I could package it and now I will, I will admit I've not really used it that much. This is surprise, surprise. I uh, came from Will uh, as an app <laughs> suggestion, um, but looking at it, like it's similar to other stuff I've used in this realm. Um, I think how I would put it is like, if we're putting on the scale of complexity uh, scale here, like let's just say, you know, like 10 is uh, more complex can do a lot more, but more complex and one's like super simple. Okay. I would throw like Nearpod probably closer to the 10 space. Not necessarily like crazy complicated, maybe like an eight. Yeah, give that a seven or eight. Yeah, seven or eight. Because Nearpod does a lot. There's a lot of other things Nearpod does, right? So, right. Um, what do you mean Top Hat? Top Hat and Nearpod are both platforms that bring in like, they both have like a library of content, right? Like you yeah. can actually bring in books into Top Hat. You can bring in other teachers' lessons to Nearpod. So there's some complexity there that brings them up in that seven and eight range. Whereas like Answer Garden, I think we've talked about that in the part past, but if yeah. not, Answer Garden's like a one. Like literally, go to yeah. go to a website, type in a question, share the link. Yeah. That's that's Answer Garden. I would. That's one. what I was gonna say. I was gonna say I put Answer Garden like poll everywhere on the lower end. Like we've talked about right. both those tools before, right. and they're in the lower end. I would put like Mentimeter smack dab in the middle like around a five yeah, um, because it does more than those other tools. Like it's a slide content uh, tool uh, with engagement tools in there, but it is definitely doesn't have quite the full um, like library of things that like a Nearpod or top hat does. Um, and while for some that may be limiting, but to your point, Will, uh, the question is like, what do you need to do? Like if you don't need <laughs> to go that high uh, and that crazy, and you don't want to learn all those things, you just want to have like some good engaging formative questions in the midst of your your slides uh you know break up those 200 slide presentations um the uh, <laughs> mentimeter yeah i don't know uh mentimeter could be a good solution for that now the free version you haven't able to do that with your 200 slides but um you could you could do it with some stuff and i think that's a point like mentimeter is kind of a good middle ground if you're looking to like jump into this um presentation engagement tool world that has started to crop up in education right um, which right. i i love i think it's cool to like uh integrate uh elements of engagement directly into your presentations it used to be we'd have to leave and go to a different tool to do that and more and more tools integrating those ideas together and mentimeter would be one of those um right. so i think that would people be just sign in and, and go check with it the out. flow yeah exactly yeah, um, it's another toolbox, tool tool in the toolbox. Yeah, here's another toolbox. Just leave all the other tools behind and go find it. No. Uh, another tool in the toolbox, Nearpod, Pull Everywhere, Top Hat, and uh, Answer Garden. Like, there's a ton of these things that give space for interaction and engagement, but um, try this one out. Give it a shot if it's going to work for you. I'm liking the themes I'm hanging out with here. There's a couple of themes in the slide designs. Some of them are just a couple of different, like, colors. Some of them have like a background image. There are definitely ones listed as pro, so you need to pay for those. But there are free options that give you, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of visual um, differentiation without having, you know, in another sense, you don't have to scour Unsplash for 30 different images for your 30 different slides. Like you can stick to it, use this uh, theme and keep it simple while still communicating your, your content effectively to your students. There is actually, I really like this kind of an examples marketplace. I don't have a better way to put it. It's, it's not a paid marketplace per se, but like, uh, you know, how is the room? There's a question here. So I can just add this slide right into mine. It's like, how is the room? And the question's all set up. Is too cool, too warm? And that's a question, a prompt that goes out to the people in the room saying, hey, are you comfortable? Are you understanding the material like are you hot are you cold on this you know there's a lot of ways you can kind of use some of the examples in there to to build your own um sessions you know gives you ideas pretty cool yeah that's cool with that though folks we have reached the end of this set episode but don't worry there's another episode coming 
yes. as long as you know like the world doesn't end till wow. we get there i don't know I don't, that got really depressing i'm sorry <laughs> uh let's let's rewind back so yeah we have another episode coming uh next week on our next episode we're going to continue this lms surveillance conversation because there's just too much to talk about um about this topic so uh we're gonna be jumping in for part two where will and i share our uh other positive and negative and you're like what is it and be like you have to check out the next episode uh tune in next week tune in next week on batman no i'm just joking uh high tech i'm glad you did that oh so uh lms surveillance and then we're bringing back we're bringing back an old friend you're like is it is it justin is it no no it's not it's better. It's Miro. Um, no, we are going to way back to episode two. Yes, we are going to return to Miro, a tool that we have talked about, we have alluded to, uh, but in a good 2022 theme of multiverses, uh, we believe oh, yeah. there is a multiverse of Miro that we need to talk about uh, and bring back. So Miro is going to be our first return app that we actually focus on again for another episode. Um, and I promise it's not because we're out of apps to talk about. Okay. There's a huge <laughs> list. Um, Josh hates my list. It's just Miro deserved a second. Uh, uh, I was going to say a second return, but that would mean we came back to it again, again. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, a reprise. There we go. I'm going to stop with that. You check that out next week on our next episode. Uh, but as we leave you, just a reminder, check us out on Twitter at high tech podcast. Uh, make sure to subscribe, chat us, uh, let us know how you feel about the podcast. Send us that wonderful picture that I asked for. And uh, yeah, just connect with us. We'd love to connect with you. If you don't want to connect on social media, because like Will, you're afraid of all the data <laughs> tracking, um, <laughs> you can hit us up at inbox at hightechpod.us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, unfortunately, uh, the email will also be able to track you. Um, you can also <laughs> check out our website, hightechpod.us. Uh, there'll be an episode page uh, with this episode and tons of other episodes we've had uh, with lots of resources on tools like Mentimeter and other stuff that we've talked about uh, and fun things. So check that out at hightechpod.us. Again, thank you for joining us for another week in the High Tech Podcast as we continue to look like what <laughs> continue to look like, continue to learn what it looks like to harness your data for our advantages. <laughs> sorry i had to i had to oh uh, no uh, hardest technology in the classroom whether online or in person we are so uh happy to be talking with you guys about this doing this podcast and super excited for future conversations so thank you guys see ya see ya